everything that we do. I swear it's part of the fabric that creates who you are and what you will become and what you'll need to get to the next level. Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. I want to welcome this week's guest, Jamila Souffrant, to our show today. Jamila is the founder and CEO of the popular financial blog and podcast, Journey to Launch, where she shares her journey to reach financial independence while helping others do the same. A few years ago, Jamila was pregnant with her third child and was in the middle of a four-hour commute from Brooklyn to New Jersey for work when she asked herself an important question. Was this what she really wanted to do with the rest of her life? This sparked an aha moment for her and led her down the path of learning how to gain financial independence and ideally retiring early on her own terms. Fast forward to today, Jamila has now become a go-to financial thought leader in the personal finance space and is passionate about helping others reach financial freedom in an easy and attainable way. She has been featured in notable media outlets such as Money Magazine, CNBC, CBS, Business Insider, and more. We chat with Jamila about how anyone can start taking steps in their life to financial freedom, the importance of having a good money mindset and what that really means, and steps you can take to start living life on your own terms today. Welcome to the show, Jamila. Thanks so much for having me, Yasmin. I'm excited for our listeners to get to know you. I'm a big fan of your podcast and really just the openness you've had about your journey, creating financial freedom for yourself and leaving the corporate environment. So I know this one will resonate with a lot of our listeners. So thank you again. Awesome. I'm ready to get into it. Let's do it. So on the podcast, we always love to start from the beginning. You talk a lot about your mom and your upbringing, who was a single mom and how she really was a big influence in your life. I'd love to learn more about your childhood and life growing up. Yeah. So my, you know, I always say I give my mom all the credit for who I am today. She had me at only 20 years old. Also, I was born in Jamaica. So we're Jamaican. She had me in Jamaica, but got the opportunity to come to the States when I was, I think, eight months old. And she had to make this decision to leave me behind because they didn't have paperwork for me. And she took that chance, that risk and left me with my grandmother and came to the United States, New York City, not knowing many people, she had we had family up here where she could stay, but I can't imagine how brave that, like how, the bravery that that took as a mom myself, going somewhere new, being only 20 years old. So I always pull and say that my courage and what I do comes from her because she allowed me to fully be myself as a child. And so I watched her work hard and I learned the value of money at a very young age. You know, we didn't learn about investing, but saving was a big part of our narrative because we needed to save to have enough to live. And so that really helped shape who I am today with money and using that, using kind of like the confidence she instilled in me, her letting her, even if she didn't have a lot of money, she made sure to put me in to whatever activity she could find that was, you know, either free or low cost, or she sacrificed what she needed for me to do the things that I did. And so all this has allowed me to then kind of just be who you see today. And so I owe it all to her. 
That's incredible. And I love this question because I think so much of our upbringing is really who we are and you are a byproduct of your mother. And it's amazing to see someone so young as a single mom make such a big career change. So it's great just to tap into that. If you ever want your courage, like you said, what a, what an inspiration. And I know even like you mentioned when you were five or six, she was taking you to the bank to open up a savings account. So even learning that aspect of saving so young definitely has helped you later in your life, which we'll get into in a little bit. But she sounds incredible. And fast forward today, you've had massive success in the personal finance space. But this is something you found later in your life. You spent over 10 years grinding, working in real estate in the corporate world and doing quite well, actually. So I'd love to hear more about that job. And from your perspective, what the turning point was for you to switch careers and take more ownership of your finances. Yeah. So I started to work in corporate America um, right out of college. I had an internship through Inroads, which is a company that helps put minority students into Fortune 500 companies. So I was lucky enough to get in as like a rising sophomore to this company that eventually did hire me full time and got into like the real estate field within that company and investments. And I got to tell you, when I graduated from college, like I, I've always just, I've felt like I've always thought differently. So I said to myself, you know, even though this is like a great job, like, I don't want to stay here. Like I want to be free past 30 years old. I don't want to work for anyone. Like I had these thoughts my first day of work full time. And, you know, from there, I tried to figure out how am I going to do that? How am I going to quit this job? Right? Like, so I guess I need a lot of money or money to help sustain my lifestyle. So I got to probably start a business be born rich, which was not the case. So I started to start little things on the side that I thought I could do to help me. And none of them worked out. <laughs> none of them I really enjoyed. And so I kind of resigned myself to a life of, you know, well, if you're going to be in corporate America, you might as well do something that you enjoy. And real estate was something that I was into, real estate investing. So I did work my way into a position that if I had to work in this job, like this would be the only job I'd want at, from what I could tell. And so I got myself into that position, you know, did like the corporate ladder, moving around thing to get myself there, but always in the back of my head or inside me, at least had these bigger dreams, but I kind of squashed them down as I dimmed that fire because I just didn't know how to accomplish it. And then eventually now in my early thirties, so I'm past my mark of quitting this job, but now I'm in my early thirties pregnant with my first child and life is happening, right? Like, I feel like the longer you stay in certain situations and the more you become an adult. So I got married, then it start, I got pregnant. And then now I'm thinking, okay, how, how am I really going to ever quit this job? But I was in my car commuting from Brooklyn to New Jersey one day, and that was my normal commute, but I was pregnant um, this day and it took three hours to get home. And I just, it just woke something up inside of me that fire kind of <laughs> got, was started to reburn and said, listen, you, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And that is where I started to find out in Google, I would say, how do I quit my job? How do I retire early? All these things, I didn't really know what they meant. And then I found out about this concept of financial independence. And that's kind of what prompted me into this space. Wow. There's so much to unpack there. I mean, you know what I love about your journey and it's very similar to mine. You know, you had this corporate job, but you always knew in the back of your head, you wanted to do something different. You didn't know what that was. And I respect that you try the different side hustles. Looking back, do you think that helped you kind of in the entrepreneurial journey? I know none of them really landed, but how was that experience? Because, you know, I'm sure you learned so much of all the different things that didn't allow you to make that income to officially leave. Everything that we do, I swear, it's part of the fabric that creates who you are and what you will become and what you'll need to get to the next level. So the things I tried were online magazine, vending machines. I even got my own 
real estate license. So like my own personal real estate license so that I can like rent out or sell apartments and units. And none of those worked, but what it did do was show me what I didn't want to do. <laughs> and it did, it did just allow me to try and fail at things. So I did ultimately know that like I could fail and I'll be okay. I'm not going to die. You know, I've always, so that kind of helped when it now came to launching journey to launch, but I got to admit though, like in the same regard though, I did have some fear because I always started out those things excited and then it would fizzle out. So there was a part of me that was like, what if I get tired of journey to launch? Like, you know, like I'm quitting my job to do this full time. What if I just don't want to do it anymore? What does that look like? And so I had to work through that and also realize, you know what, if you don't want to do that anymore, you'll find something else. So that kind of, it all comes together and helps. Yeah, exactly. And it's okay just to, in retrospect, if this is not something that you're enjoying anymore to pivot, and at least you've kind of gone through that in your own journey many times and you've come up on the other side and you are successful. So I'm excited to learn more about Journey to Launch. So going back to that moment, you're pregnant with your first child. You're realizing this is not the life you want to live. You pass the mark of your 30s, right? To start that business and do something. And you're Googling, right? How do I create financial freedom? What were those early steps that worked for you, right? Because so many people listening are in that position and want to break out and do something that they enjoy. So as you were Googling, what were some of the key themes that you came across that you think helped you kind of take this bigger risk? Yeah. So one of the things I would say is I changed my reality because while this commute for some people, I used to go to my job and they would be like, I can't believe you do this. And I'm like, listen, I don't think about it. I just have to do it. But I use that time in the car to binge on podcasts, personal finance podcasts. I used to read a lot about financial independence. And so I kind of changed my reality. The mindset was the first thing, because first I had to believe it could be possible for me. And then I immersed myself in the world because like outside, like no one in my circle was talking about this, no one in my family. And so I had to find, even if it was just in my head, in my ears, like listening to other people talk about it, I had to change that reality for myself. And having that time in the car, listening to all these stories, really, you know, I found the common threads of what people were doing. You know, they're budgeting, they were saving and investing, they were creating a plan. And so we started to do that in our own personal budget and lives and investing, which quickly then helped set a foundation for me to eventually leave my job, which by the way, was not the initial plan. (laughs) It wasn't to like ever leave. It was, it was really just to save and invest to get to this financial independence mark. So then what was it about that journey that pushed you to eventually quit? So what was different that you didn't expect early on? You know, I think that's the really cool thing about the journey is that you can evolve and change your mind. And so when I first started, it was about making as much money as possible at my corporate job. I think I was like 33 when I intentionally said, okay, I'm going to reach financial independence at 40 years old. And so, by the way, the way I define financial independence, like the technical term is that you don't need to technically work actively for money because you have money from your investments. So whether that is like an investment account or real estate, you don't have to actively work. So in our financial independence scenario, my husband actually was still going to work because he wants to, he's a teacher, but so we can live off of his income and then live off our investments or whatever thing I'm doing, because I did want to work. I just didn't want to work in corporate America. So I said, by 40 years old, I'm going to hit that mark because we're going to save and invest aggressively. You know, I'm making good money at my job. We're going to like, we're going to hit all our marks and then we'll be good pay off the mortgage, pay off our biggest expense. But then as I started to do Journey to Launch as a blog, then eventually a podcast, it wasn't about the money anymore, right? Like why do people want to reach financial independence or financial freedom? Really because they want options and flexibility. You know, I don't really 
believe most people that I interview, at least that have reached that mark of financial independence, like they're not not working. They're doing something. They're just choosing what they want to do. So what changed for me was that the money like was it was not worth my soul and my and my health to continue this commute which was still long. Also by then I've, you know, now I've had more children. So I have three all together doing journey to launch. I was like, this, it's not about the money. What if I can unlock the freedom and flexibility today? And I saw that journey to launch provided that, or at least there was a way that that could happen because I saw other people in the space earning a living. So I was like, you know, I'm willing for this journey to take longer. Like maybe it doesn't happen by 40. If it happens by 55, but I'm still living a life and doing work that I love and we can pay for our expenses, like that works for me too. So I, we intentionally then started to save for this leap into entrepreneurship for myself. And I said to myself, I don't care if it takes longer because I'm actually living a more flexible life. And that's what matters. It's not the money. It's the energy. It's the optionality for me. It's the flexibility. So that's kind of what led to this change. I, wow. There's so much that resonates with me because I feel like I went on that same journey. I mean, I've always similar to you, wanted to start my business at 30. I always made good money in finance, investment banking. And then once I started doing this podcast and launching another business, I realized, you know, I'm so much happier and fulfilled doing what lights me up. That money was no longer the number one thing. So similar to you, you know, me and my fiance sat there, really went through our numbers, really budgeted. And we're like, okay, how do we create this life, right? That you can pursue, take a risk and think also a lot of it similar to your life, save right? Just having that savings and being diligent when you do have that income has helped me so much in this year, two years of me taking risks. So I think even for your own mindset and being able to sleep at night, I think that aspect has helped me. And one thing that you mentioned that I think is really critical is the mindset, right? I love that. You know, that's something I've been working on post leaving my job. And I never knew I had any issues with my own money mindset. I said, Oh, I got this down. I feel good. Everything is budgeted, but it's been a big learning for me. So I'd love to hear kind of your journey and the importance of money mindset. Let's just even start out there for you because I think it's fundamental. Yeah, it is. I mean, and I still have my own money like hangups because when you get to different levels and or you're making money in different ways as an entrepreneur now, that comes with another set of money scripts and stories that you have to break and challenge. But money mindset and to be defined as having a positive mindset. And I think too, like we need to be clear that this is not just like you fix it and like you say affirmation or you do one thing that's positive and you're all good like no need to go, no need to like go back and update and revisit right like these are constant things you work on and so we we get our culture our society our parents there's so many things that lead into how we feel about money and how we earn money so i find that sometimes too like while in a good way we talk about finances as a way we need we should be more save our money and invest and be more prudent, which is great. I think sometimes leads into like a scarcity mindset um, in a way. And so there's this other side of it where we're talking about now earning money. And then it talks about like, okay, but how do you really feel about people who have money or who are doing the things you want? Because you have to be real with yourself. Because if there's a twins of judgment, which by the way, I can still do and have in my own life, that to me says something is not incongruence. Like, what is that? And so that's why it's like, you have to be real with yourself, your real feelings, and it's okay if they're not perfect, but be the awareness of it is the first step to help you to at least start to try and fix it. I love that. I mean, really just having an abundance mindset around money and really being clear with the potential you have and not thinking, I can't make money that way. It's like, okay, I've taken a risk. What are different ways that I can 
earn money and having that mindset that really anything is possible. And it sounds really woo woo, but I think it's truly number one thing anybody could do in their life. Yeah. Well, you have to put yourself in the position to see the opportunities. And like, I always like to acknowledge that, you know, there's some people who there's two, there's a lot of burden. There's a lot of um, emotional trauma. There's a lot that they have to overcome with good reason. Like a lot of systemic things happening in the society. It's hard. It's hard for some people. And I get it. You really have to give yourself grace at however you're coming to this. But also understand that if and when you can get out of the fog, if you feel you're under that and there's a lot of pressure that, you know, you need to see the opportunities in front of you. Because a lot of things that I went through, someone else may go through it and they have a totally different perspective as and they have the right to that. Right. Like so I didn't really grow up with a you know father figure. And I feel like that helped me. Actually, I had this long commute and I feel like it helped me. There's a lot of things that where for me it's like I'm choosing to use the disadvantages to my advantage. And I'm choosing to look at the opportunities and the obstacles. And I don't think that's an easy thing. And I still work on that today, but it's one of the things that fuels me forward. Yeah, that's really beautifully said. And I think, like you mentioned, it's a constant effort to work on that because you will always hit different elements that you still need to work on as you progress in your personal and professional life. It's never ending. So I think that mindset and awareness and wanting to just grow as a person is, is super key. So I appreciate you sharing that. So going back to Journey to Launch, so you figured, you know, this is something you want to pursue. You and your husband are now figuring out the best way to set up your lifestyle to go full forward with this. When did you realize that this could be a potential business? Yeah. So when I started Journey to Launch, like officially, I would say it was maybe 2016. I always get the years mixed up. 2016. And like it was a blog. It, I had no intention to do this as like a you know, moneymaker and quit my job. But then I started to be connected with people in the personal finance space and to creators who were actually making money in different ways. So there are a lot of ways to make money. You can do it directly by creating a product or service for your audience. You can partner with brands. You could speak. You can write a book. And I started to see people in the space making money, speaking, writing, brand partnerships, selling their own products. And so seeing that up close, and sometimes it was up close, like where I actually had access to someone and say, hey, like, how did you do that? And they're like, I'm selling, you know, this product and it works. I'm like, wow. Or just like watching from afar on Twitter. I remember there are some people in the space that would share, I just signed a contract for $5,000, right? And like, they probably never knew how that would impact someone saying that. Maybe someone looked at them with money mindset saying, wait, why are they like bragging about this? But it helped someone like me because I said, wait, you can make $5,000 writing, (laughs) doing this like thing. And so I really started to change my mindset that if they can do this, why can I? And so I started to really think in that way and start to be more strategic a little bit with how I approached and did Journey to Launch. I started to say, why not me too? And I think that's really core in terms of building a network or seeing what other people in your space are doing, because there's so many things that you're not aware of. But if you have that openness and willingness to ask questions or just do research, listen to a bunch of podcasts, there's so much that you can learn because there's so many different avenues you can make money that you might not even be aware of starting out. Yeah. Connections are everything. The same way I changed my mindset or my reality when I talked about like listening to all the podcasts and emerging myself in that helped me then start Journey to Launch and then helped me with my podcast because I was I really understood the kind of podcast that was missing in the space. 
Then when it came to actually like brand or having journey to launch now as a, a business, like I started to then network with people who are in the space. And I went to a conference where the whole entire conference was, was with personal finance creators. So immersing myself with people like that and seeing what they were doing up close and those connections leading to other connections that led to things, right? And so for me, I always like to immerse myself in the thing that I'm interested in and leverage that and also give value to, but just like learn from that and then use it for what I need to move ahead. Sure. And I think, like you said, just putting yourself in situations, meeting people, you never know what, what, how one person can completely change your life and trajectory. I'm a big fan of networking. I don't love that word, but building authentic relationships with people that you're either learning from or you can help as well, because you really never know where things will lead you. I mean, I've lived my life the whole way and I never would have expected I'd be where I am today. So I, I just love that about life. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the thing about it too, is sometimes the connections are great and you might maybe have admiration for some people. Like I remember like in my car, listening to the people that I'm actually now friends with, or at least I could call them and like get advice from now. They were literally like people on the other end of this radio or my phone. And now like the people I know, but what, how that happened was I still did the work. So I still had to do the work. So that way, when they did, when we did come face to face, they knew me too. They knew my work because of the, like I had from the, build that from the ground up. So you can't like expect the connection to do the work for you, but you be prepared. So that way, when you meet that connection, they are just as equally wanting to be in your circle as you want to be in theirs. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I want to call out in your journey, it's not easy, you know, in the early days being consistent about writing a blog and also having a podcast. I mean, it takes a lot of work. So many people <laughs> drop off after, I don't even know the stats, you know, yeah. a year or less than yeah, a year. They say, well, they say, I think 20 after like most people don't make it to like 20 episodes or yeah, something. Yeah. So it's a lot of work. And I always tell people when they reach out to me, just learning more about podcasts, it's like, you really have to be passionate about what you're doing because in the early days, you might not see quick traction. So you need to enjoy, and it needs to really align with your why, or else you're going to be miserable in the process. I mean, and that's just like any business, even outside of podcasting. Well, and you can't compare your beginning to someone's middle or end, and you don't even know how long ago they started. So for me, I know when I started the podcast, I didn't, I can't imagine. I mean, I knew I, in my heart, I, I kind of felt like I knew one day it could do this, but I didn't know, like now we have over 2 million downloads. But when we started, you know, the first couple episodes it was like 20 people and then, yeah. <laughs> but I did the work and I knew that I couldn't compare myself to the people who were in the space doing it for years and years, right? I can only run my own race and put out my best work at that moment and evolve as I went. And I think that's actually the magic to success as well is keeping those blinders on and just focus on you and your journey because so many people can look around and be like, oh, like she has 10 million downloads. I mean, who knows what everybody's journey is? So it's so important to just be mindful of you and what you're up to because that is the number one thing. And you have to know when to put the blinders on and take them off. Because sometimes I say to myself, like, I do believe part of the reason I'm here, other than the actual work, which I do, that is good, is the connections. But at, there are some levels and some points at, at me, with my stuff, I'm just like, I actually want to unfollow everyone that I follow who is in personal finance, just and not because I don't like them, like they're still my friends, but because sometimes that... I don't listen to many person. I don't listen to really any personal finance podcasts anymore. Right. Like I used to, when I started, but now I don't want that to impact the work that I do. I don't want to feel like, you know, I don't want to be in the echo chamber a bit. So I think it's important to understand when to focus on just you, but then also when to look out, you know, when to give support, when to, when to take support. It's really important to understand, like to 
that flexibility of it. And the last thing I'd say just on that is like, for example, because I follow so many personal finance people, because I want to support them, they support me. And so a lot of my feed, even now, is a lot of tips, money tips and things, right? And so when I see that, I'm like, oh, like I don't need to post a money tip. Like there's a million people posting money tips. But you have to remember like your audience, because I remember asking my audience this one time, like, what do you want to see more of? Money tips or this other thing? And they were like, money tips. And in my head, I'm like, wait, but yeah. And so, you know, like you might get a little, you might think there's enough people doing it. You don't need to repeat it, but really because no, they want to hear it from you. And if you focus on what other people are doing and you only have a vision of this, then it can kind of conflict or mess up the content that you want to create and how you want to impact people. Absolutely. And, you know, just going to that story, there is only one Jamila, right? There's only one, one person who is you, who is able to articulate things in your own unique way. So I think a lot of people sometimes think, oh, there's so many podcasts. Oh, there's so many businesses that are doing this. And I'm like, no one is you. You are so unique to how you approach it and how you show up. And I know before you started the podcast, you also had some of those doubts. It's like, why should I be, why should there be another podcast? I mean, how did you kind of break through those more self-limiting beliefs that you had? Well, I always knew that the world needed my podcast. I will say that. <laughs> okay, that's um, good. <laughs> be, and that's because I, because I was listening to all these podcasts and most of them were like, well, you know, it's a couple of white men and they were good. Like I, I'm the kind of person I can learn from anyone. I always like to say this, which is why probably in my content and my guests, it's diverse because, you know, as long as you're not, you know, a racist and you, you have some sense of, you know, you seem like an okay person and I can learn from you, I'll we can possibly talk. Right. And so I find that when I was listening to other people, like when I heard someone who was not the standard story, like a tech person or like just when I heard someone different, like I remember hearing like a black woman on the podcast talking about financial independence on another podcast for the first time. And I'm like, where are more of these stories? Right. Like we're like, cause I was, I felt I related to it. And so I knew that the kind of podcast I wanted to create was going to include a lot more diversity, a lot of, a lot of people from different backgrounds, because that was what, what was missing. So I, d- I do think you should find something that's missing that you want to see and create it. And then also, you know, someone, I remember hearing someone say this, that you might not want to do something because you think someone else is doing it, but you have no clue if the other person is like done. Maybe they're like, at this point, I don't even want to do this anymore. And they're about to just give up their platform or they're moving on and pivoting to something new. And here you are not wanting to start when you could be not even taking the reins, but starting your own movement or thing. Just start, do what needs to be done and find that missing thing that no one else is doing, but then just be yourself and be confident about it. Absolutely. You know, what was the aspect of Journey to Launch? Was there any specific type of marketing that you did that worked for you or didn't work for you that allowed you to really level up to the next step? Or was it more incremental growth with your existing audience, word of mouth that kind of allowed you to unfold the world that you're in right now? Yeah, it was a lot of things. You know, there was, I don't think there's one smoking gun or thing that like made it a thing. And by the way, I feel like I have a lot further to go on this journey and getting more people to like know about the podcast. But, you know, I would say I was very intentional because I realized that people liked hearing a bit of my story. Like I'm not delusional to think that people only follow Journey to Launch for me. While I think some people like me and my story, I think a brand does need to have that. You have to be personable and they have to care more about just like the numbers or whatever you're talking about. They're, they want to be invested, especially with the podcast, I think, in your journey. And so I 
was very clear in the beginning to share my journey, but then to also interview other people about their journeys. And then one thing I did early on was name my audience. So I call my audience journeyers. And so I found that by doing that and like starting the podcast like that, saying it on social, then people started to self-identify themselves. They'd be like, I'm a journeyer. And I'm like, yeah, it's working. Like, I love so that. that helped. And then the other thing is consistency is key. So, you know, I have put out an episode every Wednesday since I started, you know, I remember I, I gave birth. I forgot the day. I think it was like on Tuesday and episodes still went out on Wednesday, but I don't want to like say that in a toxic way that people have to like push themselves that way. I prepared for it in advance to be able to do that. So that's, and I hired someone to help get it out for me. Yeah. So that's, that's one. Key. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but also, so consistency, I would say collaborators or community. So not just like your own audience, but the people in your space or in spaces that are tangential to you that can help tell their audiences about you. So creating those relationships are important. And then media. So I think a big part too was like, I remember one of um, someone who's really big in the space, Bola from Clever Girl Finance. Like she's huge. I remember when I first met her, she probably had as many followers as I do now. Now she has like 300 something thousand. And I remember like she created a list and like she was gracious enough to put me on it. This was years ago, top people in personal finance. And she put me on that list. And I feel like that list then begot more lists or people to find out about me because then when you Google Jamila Zufran or top people in personal finance, my name came up. And so sometimes it's just about getting that like one list or mention and then leveraging that for more. And so it becomes like, you know, I feel like it's from everywhere that I'm getting the growth. It's from the people who listen to it, the journeyers talking about it. It's from media. It's from other people in the space. It's like a, it's, you know, it's just like this kind of cycle or whirlwind of different factors. Absolutely. And it's helpful to even hear the different components for people who might not be aware of the space to see all the different levers that need to be pulled. And it's not like you woke up one night and have, you know, a top performing podcast in business. It's taking time and different elements. And you may not be able to do it all at once. For me, I just follow the steps as they unfolded for me and the relationships. So sometimes like, I don't think want someone to think, oh, I have to do all this like right now. It's like, focus on one. Once you get a little momentum going with that, then the other. But you know what? At the end of the day, you need your content to be solid because then when someone does listen to your stuff or read your blog or go to your business, you want them to actually like what you have to say. So to me, the baseline is the content. If that's good, then the other stuff works and helps feel that. I'm curious, as someone who did the career change, started a business, are there any challenges that you remember early on that surprised you that you had to overcome? You know, whether it's a mindset aspect or hiring, anything in the early days that was surprising and challenging to you? Yeah, I mean, it's still happening. I still yeah. like new level, new devil. Like, but I would say, even though when I quit my job, like before that, we saved up for me to do that. And so we had a, what it's called like a FU fund where my husband's income did not cover our expenses at the time of me quitting my job. So we had to save up money. So all the money we saved in the beginning now in our investment accounts, like now went to like cash in like a savings account, because I knew I didn't want journey to launch have to have pressure to make money in the first one to two years. So we padded this account as much as we could while I was working. But then when I started to actually draw down on it, so now I'm now out of maternity leave, I'm working on journey to launch full time. And I'm just like, okay, this is what the account was for. But now it's like, I see it every month going down because we have to pull money from it to cover our expenses. It felt like, what did I just, sometimes it felt like, what did I do? Because Journey Talents was not making money at the time, or I wasn't able to pay myself. It might've been making money, but not enough to pay myself anywhere close to my salary. So it almost felt like, 
was this like the smartest thing? You have three kids, you have a mortgage. What did you, so I think in the beginning, the first, even though we had the money, it's still, I, I was not used to money depleting. I was used to money all, you know, usually accumulating. <laughs> so that was hard in the beginning to get over. And, you know, it's, I'm smirking here. Our listeners can't see me because I felt the same way, even on our business, we're pre-launch and, you know, we have money and everything. I'm very mindful about our budget, but seeing the income or seeing the savings and checking account go down and down and down without bringing in the revenue, it definitely sparks some interesting feelings for sure. And you just have to remind yourself why you started this and how it's a bet you're taking. But when you were in those moments, how did you deal with any anxiety that might've come up when you saw your bank account? going down, but you saw the potential that of your business increasing, even though you don't see the accolades yet and the money. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always had to go back to the math. So even as yeah. it was going down, I did like the calculation. Okay. It's at, it's at this part now, how much, how many more months can you go without journey to launch making money? Okay. It's still, it's like eight months. Okay. Eight months. You still have eight months, Jamila. So sometimes it was good to see it, that it wasn't like t- next month we'd be on the streets and then also having backup having backups financially to like, if that failed, then I knew that I would go back to work. Like let's journey to launch did not make money. And then I knew by then my skill sets. Now I have like a whole new lane of skill sets that I can, I don't have to go back to the corporate career. I did. I could do something totally different. Worst case. I, th- I thought of worst case scenarios. Like we did own, uh, I own a property in, you know, in Dumbo and Worst case, not that I would want to, but like worst case, before you end up on the streets, you could sell that. Yeah. Before, you know, you end up on the streets, we're all moving into my mom's house. You know, I, I just tried to like think of the worst case and what I could do and, and and knowing that hopefully it would never get to that point, then realize, okay, Jamila, it's okay. Focus on, focus on what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that's important. Sometimes in your own head, it might seem worse or or more difficult than it is. But when you look at the numbers and really put things on paper and pen and think about these different scenarios, you're like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. So really going back to the numbers and being clear about certain things and thinking about plan B, C, D, whatever that is, at least gives me comfort too. So I love the way you thought through it. Yeah. I love to think through the plans like that way. I'm like, all right, we're on plan D now, but I got plan all the way to Z. So we're good. We're okay. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. As someone who goes to a lot of speaking engagements, advises many people on personal finance, what would you say are some of the key mistakes people are doing with their money in their lives today that you've personally come across? I would say like leaving money on the table when it comes to investing. So if you are lucky enough, I'd say lucky enough, because if you have a corporate job or a job that allows you to pay your bills and there's like a teeny bit left over, meaning like you are still able to enjoy life a little bit, then if you have a 401k or you can invest, like start doing that because it doesn't, even if it's $50 more than what you're doing now, it's something. And it's literally like helping you to build that muscle. So I just think a lot of people don't think they, they'll wait until they're in a better position until they're making more money and just do as much as you can do now to get yourself to a place of security. Because once you do that, then you can take more risk and do different things. Absolutely. And I think like you mentioned, it's a practice and a muscle that you build. And I think a lot of people reach out asking for advice on how they should manage their savings and whatnot. But I think even if it's a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, as long as you're making some type of progress and it's the exercise of it, I think that's super important to your point. And I do think that some people try to skip steps. So I know like cryptocurrency and all this like stuff is like the wave and like maybe investing in individual like stocks in a taxable way is like exciting. They want to learn how to trade, which is fine. But I'm like, 
focus on the basics first. If you're still working, you have a 401k, you are an investor. So make sure you understand how much is going into that 401k. Can you do a little bit more? What is it invested in? Because you can choose usually within that. If you don't have a 401k, you're self-employed or your company just doesn't have one, then potentially you can do a traditional Roth or Roth IRA. Even if you work for someone else, by the way, in a company, you can do a Roth IRA. Depending on your income level, you may have- I did not know that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So if you, well, if you, let's just say you have a, um, you work, I work for a company. I had my 401k. They, and the thing is, if you have a match, if your company does a match, do at least to the match, cause you're like leaving money on the table and they are actually co- using that as part of your compensation package. So if you don't use it, that's kind of like, <laughs> um, they're like, oh, okay. So, but even with that, you can do a bat, like a Roth IRA. So 401ks are pre-tax retirement investment accounts. Roth IRA are post-tax retirement investing accounts. That means after you get your check and the government takes your cut, you can now invest that money. And then when you take that money out in retirement, it won't be taxed again. So I'm a big proponent of doing as much as you can, but even if it's one account, even if it's $50, it's a start that helps to get that going. And don't skip those important steps because people think, oh, it's retirement. Like that's not a, who cares? But it does matter. And I always, oh, last thing. I want everyone, if they can, to put some numbers in like these online calculators, because that helped me when I saw, okay, if we changed our lifestyle or saved this much for the next X amount of years, how much more would we have by if we didn't do anything? And it would show this difference of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like if we did nothing and kept things the same, we'd just be in the same position 15 years from now. If we budgeted, did these things differently, saved and invested first, and where would we be? how many more, how much more money, right? And so that helped change and see the numbers, seeing the numbers help change really our behavior. So I would also encourage people to do that. Yes, so many key things and gems that you brought up. I couldn't agree more. And one thing you mentioned earlier in this interview is, you know, you had this target to create financial freedom from a wealth perspective. And now it's kind of shifted in terms of you being passionate about Journey to Launch and doing something that's fulfilling and making the impact. So, where you are today, you know, you started the podcast, was it 2016? 2017 was the first episode. Yeah. Wow. Dropped. Yeah. Incredible. So you've done it for, you know, at least a few years. What is the next step for you and how are you looking at what defines success for Jamila at this stage of your life? Yeah. So I want to grow the podcast more. I feel like more people should know about it. It's so crazy how people who may look at my podcast and think it's like successful, which it is. And again, here's comparison. And I'm like, it could be like, I feel like more people need to know about it. So I definitely want to grow listenership and the journeyer base more because I think it, it will be helpful for more people to understand and know about this concept and how to apply it to their lives, but also growing more of my products. So I do a lot of like brand partnerships and sponsorships with the podcast, which is great. But I also have my own products. Like I have a membership community and I have a course. So growing that stream of income, figuring out ways in which like that feels good to launch those things is one of the things I'm focused on. And then other forms of media. So I do want to write a book. I'm in the middle of a proposal. So I'm hoping that in the next couple of years, I would have a book in the world, which would be another way people can learn and find out more about financial independence and freedom. Exciting. I'm so excited to see all these amazing opportunities continue to unfold. And, you know, another question I wanted to ask you, and you took this big leap of faith to launch your business when you had three kids, which is really very much admirable. How are you managing both your high growth business that you're still very much putting time into and also being a mother of three kids? (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. I think, listen, I, this is saying you can have it all, but you can't do it all yourself. And that's just key for me. When people ask me how I'm able to balance it all, it's like some things get dropped, you know, like I just try not to drop the things that will break permanently. (laughs) So I try to make sure, you know, like I even I'm there for my kids, but it's like, I'm not the mom that's crafting and making cookies every day, like a cooking dinner every day. That's just not what's happening here. Sure. (laughs) They have their iPad more than probably some moms who are like no screen time. I can't get things done if sometimes if I don't have any help here. So they have their iPad. Right. And um, so I just think it's really important to understand for me, at least not to be so hard on myself, like I'm doing the best that I can and to have like these days back. So with the pandemic, when we were in lockdown, it was really hard. My whole work and life, everyone's life and work, I believe, mostly changed. But for me to have kids at home, virtual learning with a six, four and two year old, it was it was hard. Luckily, my husband, again, having an equal partner in the home is very helpful because he is just as a part of cleaning up. He does a better job of cleaning up than I do. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, how did you do that so fast? Yeah, fast. <laughs> and if I leave dishes in the sink and he comes home, he does them, you know? So I think that is really helpful and having a support system. So yeah, I don't, I don't do this by myself. Absolutely. And one thing, you know, following you on Instagram, a big thing for you is managing your mental health while you're running and you very much prioritize self-care for yourself, which I think is incredibly important. So I'd love to kind of hear maybe some of your rituals or things that you think have helped you just from a mindset and mental health perspective. Yeah. So stepping away, because I have a tendency sometimes to get really like immersed. Like I can finish like this call. I don't have time probably after this interview. I do have another one. Right. But sometimes what I'll do is like, even like if I'm done with something, I'll find myself sitting in the same space, like not getting up and moving. And so I've forced myself to find more movement. Like before my kids, I was super active and fit and then, you know, life. And so I tried to get back to who I was before them (laughs) because it's important for me to be the best like mom or woman first before I could be a good mom and wife and all those things. So I started to run, even though like, oh my, if you follow me on um, Jamila Soufran on my Instagram, like I complain about running a lot, but (laughs) when I run it afterwards, it does feel good. So I try to like, at least get out when I can. I bought a bike. So just trying to be more active because I know that when I am more active, I feel better. When the world opens back up a bit and I can see or talk to my friends a bit more, that helps. And so I just try to like, do the things that sometimes in a moment I don't want to do. Like I try to just like force myself with that initial hump to do it because I know afterwards I'll feel better. Exactly. I love that. And another question I have for you is what are you most proud of that a lot of people may not know about you? Hmm. I'm proud of, you know, I'm Jamaican. I was born in Jamaica. And while I have family still in Jamaica, they will say I'm not really Jamaican because I don't know how to like really speak the language authentically, the Patois. But like I'm proud of like my home island, even though I didn't grow up there. I am proud to show other little girls in Jamaica or just little black girls in general and women, you know, honestly, what can be possible for them. So I don't know. I guess I'm just proud of how far I come. And ultimately, I can people think I'm like a hero. I'm like, my mom is the hero. I don't know how she did it when she did it with less resources. Absolutely. She seems both of you guys are amazing. (laughs) So she did a wonderful job and I want to be mindful of our time together. And I want to close on one last question that we like to ask all of our guests. And we've touched upon this throughout most of the interview, but you know, wealth means so much more than money and everybody has their own definition of wealth at this stage in your life. What does wealth mean to you? Wealth means options and flexibility, but ultimately it also is the energy 
Like, you know how they say time is the most limited resource and it is, but I also think energy is because you can have all the money and then you can have also time. But if you don't have the energy to do anything because of your mental health or emotional or you're not, that's not helpful either. So I just think having enough bandwidth to have the energy to implement the things you want to do in this world is key. So, yeah. I love that, Jamila. Well, thank you for spending time with us. I'm so excited for our listeners to get to know more about you. Everything will be in the show notes. And it was such an honor to spend this hour with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.